With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Bob Brill, and he's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, an NFL podcast, now videocast as well. You can hear the podcast wherever you get the podcast. Also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. You can see it right there on the bottom of the screen. Uh, during the offseason each week, we've been taking a look at each NFL team. And this week, I'm happy to say it's my own beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, if you haven't figured it out by previous shows by now, you know, I was born and partially raised in, in the Berg. So I sort of bleed Steeler, Pirates and Penguin colors. Um, this week, our guest is Ray Fittipaldo, who covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, one of the longtime newspapers in the Steel City. Ray, welcome to Kramer and Brill. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Looking forward to it. As my colleague Eric Kramer will no doubt back me up, I pretty much know how a lot about this team and how it's been going, but for the benefit of our fans, how about a quick recap of the Steelers season? Yeah. I mean, listen, the Steelers started 11 and 0. Um, they were the number one seed around Thanksgiving and then it just kind of fell apart for them. You know, they, they had some injuries on defense. Um, Bud Dupree went down. I think that really hurt them. And then the offense just went in the tank, you know, um, teams figured out they were a one dimensional team. Um, they, they couldn't do really do anything effectively other than throw the ball short. And when that went away, when teams took that away, I think that you know, they sort of didn't have an identity anymore. So they lost five of their final six, including that playoff game at home um, against the Browns. So they're looking to retold. You know, Ben Roethlisberger took a $5 million pay cut to come back for one more year. I know we're going to talk about the draft. This draft was all about maximizing that one-year window. Um, so we'll see how it goes in 2021. But listen, the Browns are coming. I, I think they're a better team than they have been. The Ravens are still going to be the Ravens. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Bengals have a chance to be better, too. So it's going to be harder for the Steelers to get back to they were where they were last year as well. You know, Ray, given that most NFL observers and certainly Steelers fans and one in particular who we were just talking to here in, uh, in Bob, thought Pittsburgh would use the draft to quickly address the one elephant missing in the room, and that would be the offensive line, but then didn't. Instead, they drafted Alabama running back Najee Harris, Penn State tight end Pat, correct me if I'm wrong in the pronunciation here, uh, Freermuth, and with the first two Friermuth, picks. Yeah. Friermuth, okay. So if you can, please give a, a quick assessment of, of the Steelers draft overall. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I wrote about this today. Kevin Colbert, their GM, explained this after the draft. Um, this was a very deep offensive line group uh, coming out of college. He's, he says it was unusually deep at center. And we all know from listening to the draft experts out there that this was a very strong offensive tackle class as well. So what they did, they took advantage of that depth, and they felt like they got – um, I'm not going to say equal value, but they felt like they, the, the talent from the second round until the third and fourth rounds was fairly equal. So that's why um, when you look at say, hey, why did they take Pat Fryermuth? Well, 
after Pat Fryer and Muth, there wasn't a lot of quality tight ends who were going to come in and help them. So they got one of the top backs in the draft. I think one of the top two in Najee Harris. They got one of the two top tight ends. And then they filled in the pieces with Kendrick Green in the uh, third round and Dan Moore in the fourth round. So I think this is going to be a debate. You know, we're going to be talking about this until we see how those guys play. But, you know, just giving you that organizational philosophy on why they approached the draft that way this year, that was their thinking behind it. They love the depth in the offensive line this year, and they thought Kendrick Green and Dan Moore um, were close enough in talent to those guys who were taken in the second round that they, you know, that's why they ultimately, you know, made that decision. You know, and uh, I love Najee Harris, and, and I think a lot of fans uh, were happy about that too. The one thing that I kept hearing uh, Kevin Colbert mention was three down back, three down back, three down back. And of course, you know, in today's NFL, it's tough to find a team that goes with a three down back. But the other thing is that's what happened with Le'Veon Bell. And he felt he was overused. Is you think Najee Harris is going to kind of move into that same role that Le'Veon Bell uh, played successfully when he was with the Steelers outside of the head that kind of went south and north and east and west everywhere? I, I do. I, I don't think you draft a running back in the first round and have him be part of a rotation. I, I think he's going to be their guy. Um, you have Benny Snell behind him. He's kind of a short yardage back, but he doesn't really have those three down feature back qualities. They also have a guy by the name of Anthony McFarland. They took in the fourth round last year, really didn't show a lot as a rookie. So I think that's why they went out and got Najee Harris. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin is known for quote unquote running the wheels off of his running backs. And uh, you know, I think, um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately for Najee Harris, he's going to get that opportunity too. And listen, people say, Oh, you, you don't draft running backs in the first round. The Steelers, if Najee Harris is good, they can exercise the fifth year option on him and guarantee five years with him. And if he's a great player, you go ahead up, you go ahead and, and franchise him uh, six year. So not a lot of running backs last beyond six years. So if they can get six good years out of him, like they got five good years out of Le'Veon Bell, whom they drafted in the fifth, uh, the, the second round in 2013, I think they would be happy with that. Yeah, Ray, uh, talking about skill positions, you know, receiver. So losing uh, Antonio Brown last year before the season, and then really no replacement for him in this draft or any time last year, and then no real suitors for Juju Smith-Suster other than the Steelers themselves. So he's back on a one-year deal. And, uh, you know, the receivers, as you had mentioned earlier, really weren't, I'd say, their potential really wasn't uh, exhibited, at least toward the end of the year. Um, does the addition of Harris and Fryermuth kind of address part of that, at least, in the passing game? I think so. As you mentioned, Najee Harris is a quality receiver out of the backfield. He's going to help them out. Um, at Fryermuth, you know, the, the trend in the league now is to go a lot of 12 personnel, right? That, Teams love having two tight ends in the game, creates mismatch problems. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Fryermuth um, has, a, has a role and maybe a big role um, within this offense this year. So then it becomes a numbers game. You have Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. Uh, you have Chase Claypool outside. And you have Deontay Johnson, um, who is sort of that shifty kind of outside receiver, much in the same way Antonio Brown was. And, I, you know, I, 
haven't even mentioned James Washington yet, um, 2017 second round pick, who's been like a good depth number four guy for them. So they were going to be fighting for, for playing time to begin with. Um, very deep receiver class this year. I thought, you know, with Juju only being signed through 2021 and James Washington only being signed through 2021, that they might take advantage of that depth as well. But I, I understand it. You, you had a lot of other holes. And I, I think Fryermuth and Harris gives them a more balanced offensive attack, both in the running game and the passing game now. And I, I could sort of see why Kevin Colbert didn't want to use a pick on a receiver this year. You know, I, you mentioned uh, Ben's contract, and I think a lot of fans are kind of uh, wondering what the contract was, the restructuring. Is it just for one year to get through that one year, which is what I'm hearing you say, uh, or is it an extension that it gives him opportunities to maybe extend that a little bit more? And where does Dwayne Haskins fit into all of this as well? Well, I mean, I'll answer the first part first. I mean, you know, what they did, they put these so-called dummy years on the end of that contract. Um, listen, if if the Steelers get to an AFC championship game or a Super Bowl with Ben and they're happy with him, yeah, they can revisit that again next year. They can do another another contract. But the way this contract was put together, it just allows them to avoid those years beyond 2021 um, for salary cap purposes. So that, that's basically – why they did that. Uh, you know, Haskins, um, listen, he washed out of Washington pretty quick. Um, you know, they, they took a flyer on a guy by the name of Paxton Lynch a few years ago as well, if you remember that. Yeah. Former first-round pick. Sometimes they just bring these talented guys in, see what they're all about. You know, Lynch, they didn't like Lynch. He was gone within a year. We'll see what Haskins has. Uh, probably a little bit more pedigree than than Lynch, right? I mean, Haskins was a top 15 pick, so maybe they'll, they'll, they'll find something they like in him, but I don't think anything is guaranteed to him. Um, they have Mason Rudolph behind uh, Ben for, for uh, this year and next year. They just re-signed him to a one-year deal, and they brought back uh, Josh Dobbs, too, uh, you know, a, a fourth-round pick in 2017 who has kind of been a good – you know, sounding board for Ben and, and for the coaches, very smart guy that they like to have around. So, like I said, we'll see what happens with Dwayne Haskins, but I don't, I don't get the idea right now that he's a big part of their plans. Well, you know, a follow-up to that, I was kind of curious when I was surprised and we were both surprised at uh, that signing, but at the same time, I thought, you know, maybe, you know, this was a kid whose head really wasn't on straight on uh, coming out, maybe too much for him. And maybe Mike Tomlin is feeling, okay, maybe I can, develop this kid, maybe I can get him, get, get his head straight. And is, is that kind of the feeling there? Yeah. I mean, listen, um, he, the, the talent is undeniable. I mean, he, he was a very good player at Ohio state. Um, you know, you read about what went on in Washington with his off the field stuff that that was obviously a problem um, maturity issues, but everything I hear from the Steelers, um, you know, he's trying to get his head on straight here. Um, he's been at the facility, um, regularly since since uh, he was signed in January. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this could be, um, you know, something that's good for him. You know, we'll see if it, what the numbers game is with with the roster here, you know, come come July and August. We'll see if he makes enough of an impression, enough of an impression. But, you know, sometimes it's just proving to a team that, hey, you're back on track. And then word of mouth gets around, hey, maybe this guy is ready for another shot. It's not with the Steelers. Maybe it can be with another team down the road. 
Ray, I'll, I'll ask one follow-up question to that too. And this is where I think maybe Bob was thinking he was feeling guilty for not asking more tougher questions. So this has to do with Ben also. Um, so to me, you know, he's obviously a Hall of Fame quarterback, won a couple of Super Bowls now, but toward the end of the season, to me, he looked tired. He looked, he was inaccurate, even on deep throws, um, less mobile than I've ever seen him. Um, and so if you put in, maybe put on your prediction cap for the upcoming season, how do you think he'll begin this season? Well, we started off last season great. So, you know, assuming he has a similar approach to, to this season, you know, I, I want to say the number was like, he had like a 21 to three TD to interception ratio for like the first eight, nine games of the season. Then he went downhill after that. You know, the worrisome thing for me, Eric, is they already manage him. Um, they already, they're, they're very aware that he goes one day on, two days off during training camp. You know, so they're not using his arm to begin with. It was interesting. Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator, was the QB's coach last year. He had Ben working on his leg strength a lot. So it kind of felt like Ben's legs maybe weren't um, – that they were an issue late in the season, you know, just driving in the throws and, you know, be, having a strong base and, um, you know, everything that you know about. So that's another thing to keep an eye on too. But you're right, his, his play – Declined late in the season. And not only that, you know, the decision-making in the playoff game against the Browns, you know, some of the throws he made. Uh, the Steelers had a top-five defense. I, I don't care what kind of defense you have. You get behind 28 nothing in the playoff game, and you're toast. So he's got to make better decisions, and they've got to figure out a plan, um, you know, not only to rest his arm, but to get him in shape conditioning-wise you know, to play a full 17-game season plus, you know, the playoffs if they make it. That's a good point. Um, this week, our guest is Ray Fittipaldo, who covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You know, and the other thing about it, too, is uh, the Steelers, it seemed like the Steelers had one half to actually win a game because the second half, everybody knew exactly what they are going to do. Okay, the big thing was they'd come, I uh, know some of the commentators say, wow, Ben, get, he's getting rid of the ball in like two seconds. But that means through – Defense only has to cover the, the receivers for two seconds, you know, and everybody moved in the second half, all of a sudden everything was bunched up to the line and there was, there was no real deep throws or anything like that. And I got to feel that, you know, the change in offensive coordinators has, uh, is, is the big thing this year. They're changing their running game schematics to uh, this was a theme over the weekend. Uh, Kendrick green, the, the uh, Illinois center, he's a smaller guy, but he's very athletic and they like him for that zone blocking scheme that they're now going to go to. And that's the same with Dan Moore, uh, the Texas A&M tackle. Three years, three-year starter in a zone scheme um, in the SEC. They like his experience there. Um, you know, they think potentially down the road that he could be an answer as well. So what they were doing last year, you know, with the running game, um, you know, we, you know, we criticized the running backs a lot around here. Um, but a, a lot of times those guys were getting tackled two and three yards behind the line of scrimmage um, before they even had a chance. So, um, you know, Mike Tomlin has, has been pretty vocal about, um, yes, the personnel has to change, but our schematics weren't good last year. That's why Randy Feekner, the former OC, is gone, and that's why Sean Surrett, the former offensive line coach, is gone as well. You know, I know we've talked pretty much all offense, so if, if uh, defensively Bob wants to address that next, I'll let him, but – 
sticking to uh, you know the offensive line, you'd mentioned how Kevin Colbert was saying this is an, an exceptionally deep draft with offensive linemen, and so they had the luxury of waiting past the first couple of rounds. Now that the draft's over, over, and they do have they have added a couple of picks. Is there still talent out there or time in free agency to address any other offensive line needs? I, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, they went out and signed B.J. Finney in March. Um, he he's, was a stealer for five years, and then he signed with the Seahawks, and now he's back after one year. They view him as a good stopgap guy until Kendrick Green um, is ready. And I, I think it's the same with, with left tackle. You know, Dan Moore – is the developmental guy, and they're going to go with Cheeks core for at left tackle, for better or worse. Cheeks has never played on the left side, but he's the more athletic option. they got Zach Banner on the right side, who's 6'8", 340, 350. He's that run-blocking right tackle that they want in their system. And Cheeks, even though he's never done it, he's got the athleticism to, to play on that left side. So I think they're set on the offensive line. Um, you know, barring injury, I think they're going to go into camp with the team that they have, and they're going to hope Kendrick Green, Green eventually plays B.J. Finney. And eventually, I don't think it's going to be this year, but they're going to hope that Dan Moore comes along and can be that next left tackle as well. So that's their plan. Um, you know, we'll see if uh, how it works out. But I, I would not expect any more big moves on the offensive line before training camp. I do want to talk about the defense, especially – the linebackers, but I want to address real quickly, uh, briefly, uh, the uh, Alejandro Villanueva situation. I no uh, interest in free agency. Steelers, if nothing, uh, are loyal. Um, they let him go. Uh, what's going on there? Well, I think one reason why he's not being signed by other teams is 4 p.m. today, teams can sign players, and it does. Uh, the, the team that loses him no longer gets a comp pick in next year's draft. So you have to keep that in mind. I mean, the Steelers have Villanueva, uh, a free agent who hasn't signed yet. Steven Nelson, who was released, hasn't signed yet. So, I, you know, I think that's, that's part of the reason why some of these signings haven't taken place yet. I, you know, I just think Villanueva, he's 32, 33 years old, um, solid pass protector for the, for the Steelers, but he's, Running the ball, you know, being a run blocker, it's not his strength. So with the Steelers going to more of a zone blocking scheme, emphasizing um, the running game and play demeanor, that's another um, buzzword from this weekend, play demeanor. They want nastier guys up front, guys who are going to help in the running game. That's not Al Villanueva. He's been a solid pro for the Steelers. He's protected Ben's blindside very well since 2015, but that's not really his game. Now, what if you can uh, discuss the defense a little bit? I know, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, the linebacking core was the real strength of this team. Uh, outside of, you know, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick as well and, and Cam Newton. But uh, the linebackers really made this team. And then, like you mentioned, we lost um, uh, Dupree halfway through the season. We lost Devin Bush. Uh, and so other guys were filling in. Splane came in, did a great job, and he was hurt. So uh, where, where does the linebacking crew look right now? You know, T.J. Watt is an all-pro, so they're going to be fine on the left side. They're going to hope that Alex Hydesmith um, can step up and take over for Dupree. I don't think, you know, in 2021 there are any expectations that he's going to be the player Dupree was, you know, in the latter stages of his Steelers career. But the hope is that he could be solid on the right side. They added Quincy Roche in the sixth round. 
he'll battle it out with Cassius Marks to be the top reserve outside linebacker. But there's every expectation that Alex Highsmith is going to take over for Dupree on the right side. Now, as far as the inside goes, Devin Bush is back. He's going to help out tremendously because he's that three down inside linebacker that, you know, all teams cover right now. He doesn't have to come off the field. He can play the pass. He can play the run. That's, that's why they drafted him. That's why they traded up, um, you know, to get him a couple of years ago. Um, you mentioned Spillane. Vince Williams is back on a one-year deal. And then they drafted this Buddy Johnson guy in the fourth round out of Texas A&M. So he got options, you know, for the guys to start opposite Bush. It could be any of those three, probably Williams or Spillane. Um, but they do have options there. And I, I think, you know, that's another position that they waited to address, you know, the, or some speculation, take advantage of a strong group of linebackers, maybe get one in the second or third round. But obviously they felt comfortable enough with Spillane and Williams that they didn't have to do that this year at least. You know, Ray, looking at the, just the game uh, itself and rule changes that happen every year, are there any this year that stand out to you that are going to possibly be, uh, you know, significant in ways that maybe people aren't talking about just yet? Well, more so with the replay, right? I mean, refresh me. Was there anything like with, like with with the defense that was, um, you know, big changes from the owners' meeting? I don't remember any. I remember replay being a big issue, um, and they were sort of going to wait on that. But what were the other changes that they were talking about? You know, I I, I I guess I'm specifically more mentioning it because of the replay. You know, and, and it seems like that that has been the biggest area of where they've tweaked things the most trying to get it so precisely fine right. where it's never going to be. And, and it's now taking on a life of its own, so to speak, where it's even bigger than the game at times. And I think it's turned off a lot of fans anyway. I, I like, agree. With is everything going to get critiqued on every play throughout the game? Eric, I agree with you. If you remember 2019, they did the pass, defensive pass interference rule, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> as a result of the Saints getting – jammed you know in the playoffs against the Rams yeah yeah I mean it, it was bad and that uh it was just a constant theme throughout the season he got rid of that I mean listen you know replay came about I mean back in your playing days it came about because they wanted to fix the egregious errors but now we're, we're to the point where it's it's the ticky tacky stuff that slows down the game so I mean I'm, I'm with you on that I still think they're trying to figure it out but um, I don't know if we have a great solution yet. So we'll see how, you know, the changes they made this year affect it. But hopefully at some point we kind of get away from the constant delays in the game and just kind of fix the stuff that has to be fixed and then just live with, you know, the minor errors, you know. I was kind of surprised the Steelers picked a punter in the draft, but they got a good one. Yeah, I mean, he was a Ray Guy award winner, um, you know, seventh round pick, kind of a throwaway pick at the end. I mean, this guy's got a booming leg. Um, I don't care what level of football you're talking about. He averaged 48 yards a punt um, for, for Georgia Tech last year. And he's an athlete. He, he's got an arm. You can maybe use him on, on fake punts. It's 263. He can run a little bit. Maybe you want that to be a part of your special teams. But, yeah, I mean, they've been wanting to, to get rid of Jordan Berry for a while. They tried to do that last year when they brought in Dustin Colquitt. That didn't work out. They had to bring Barry back, but uh, I think this is the writing on the wall for Barry now. I think they got this guy in the draft, and I think they're gonna they're gonna keep him. Well, now that uh, you know, 
Mike Tomlin's been what renewed for another three years and has been a fantastic in terms of one loss record during the regular season coach for the Steelers. Um, what impact or what, what was the reasoning behind that now? I mean, I, I think he's a great coach, but in terms of the people that follow the Steelers amongst yourselves who cover the Steelers, uh, his signing does what for them? I think it provides stability for the organization beyond Ben Roethlisberger, right? So they're going to be in this transition next year at this time where they're still going to have a very good defense, but there's going to be questions, questions on offense. You know, how are we going to play on offense? We're playing without a franchise quarterback for the first time since 2004. Let's not start over with a new coach to let's have Mike sort of shepherd us through this transitional period. And then we'll reevaluate it two, three years down the road. I mean, for me, I was a little bit surprised by it just because you mentioned, you know, people look at the regular season record. I mean, other than Belichick, I mean, who else is doing what he does? You know, Bob will tell you this in Pittsburgh, you're measured by one thing. You're measured by the championships you put in that trophy case. And there hasn't been a lot of success here in that regard since uh, 2008. I know they got back in 2010. They couldn't beat the Packers, but we're going on a decade now um, or more without a Super Bowl. Um, So in that regard, I was a little bit surprised by the timing of it. But when you think about it and why they did it, I just think the whole idea of that transitional period without a franchise quarterback I think they wanted a stable head coach in place to get the Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Ray, it's been fun. I'm glad you could join us today. I uh, hope, hope you had a good time with us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future as well. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Got it. Right, joining, take care, Ray. Joining right, us this week is Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for this week's show. There you have it. This week's Kramer and Brill NFL podcast and videocast. All the links to the pod and videocast are at uh, KramerandBrill.com, the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and our videocast on my Bob Brill YouTube channel. For Ray Fittipaldo, my friend and uh, colleague Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill, and we'll see you next time.